So as I mentioned before, we, uh, we, I realized when I was uh, just this morning pulling in here that Mary would be getting close to um, the end of her pregnancy. If, if uh, of course, this date more than likely is fairly arbitrary in the grand scheme of our calendar. But as we celebrate uh, this day, um, if this were 2,020 years ago, we would be getting ready. Uh, Mary would be getting ready. She would be with child. And so I want to begin to build um, or set up our journey to the manger with a message called, um, We've Left the She Out of the Three. We've Left the She Out of the Three. That's today, today's message, left the she out of the three. Say that 10 times fast. I guarantee you, you can't. And, uh, and of course, I'm speaking specifically of the Godhead, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And uh, I want to kind of break down um, the difference today between femininity and the gender of being female. Amen? How many of you know there's a difference? Yeah? Is this just going to hurt your mind today? All the men in the room were like, you're going to have us prancing out of here? No. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Um, do you realize that God is actually um, genderless? That his spirit is genderless? that we refer to Father God and we refer to Jesus. Of course, we know that Jesus on the earth was male in his natural body, but God himself and his spirit are actually genderless. And we see from the very beginning of time that in Genesis, he begins to paint a picture of the equality or the importance of both male and female, but not just male and female, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get off the gender for a moment both masculine and feminine qualities or natures from the very beginning of time. When, when we see creation, we see that God actually creates, listen to this, this is important, as he creates the sun and the moon and the stars and land and water and animals and all of these things, as he begins to create them, after everything he creates, what does he say? And it was good. He looks at his creation and he keeps basically nailing it. God's like, that's like the modern day equivalent of nailed it. He's like, he threw the stars into the sky and he's like, nailed it. Wow, that sun looks awesome, right? He's like, this is working out exactly the way I planned it. Do you know the moment that God, the first moment that God actually looked at something and said, this isn't good. Nailed it. <laughs> oh, Charlie always, he's always. The moment that God actually looked at what was going on, what he had created and decided that it was not good is when you ladies weren't around yet. But I want to go beyond that because I want to go beyond gender for a moment. It's when the feminine nature of God had not yet been manifest on the earth. 
and only after, in Genesis 1.27, after both male and female were created, that did God finally say in Genesis 1.27 that they have been created in my image. So the image of God was not fully realized until there was both male and female. Do you see that picture? It's like a BLT sandwich without the B. Then you just have an LT. It's the vegetarian version, I guess. It, it was not fully complete until both male and female were there. And then he was able to look back and say, now it is good. And now I can say that man, not male, but mankind has fully been realized in the image of me. In the very beginning of time, in verse Genesis 1-2, we see that, think about this for a moment. Um, in the ancient um, Syriac Christian tradition, the Holy Spirit is characterized as feminine. So we have God, who is genderless, even though we call him God the Father. We have Jesus that we know was male here on the earth. And we have, of course, this is God just manifest in different ways. And then we have the Spirit of God that for traditions and for millennium, has been characterized as feminine. As a matter of fact, if you've ever done sozo before, which is like an inner healing, like prayer thing, oftentimes they, they will ask you the question of, um, I want you to picture God in the room. Where is he? What does he look like? And that God represents your relationship with your father. And when they do Jesus, it represents your koinonia relationships or your friendships. And then when they do the Holy Spirit, it usually is, they can usually pinpoint issues you might have with your natural mother. And in the Syriac traditions, the Holy Spirit is feminine. The feminine characteristic of the Holy Spirit is actually realized in the Hebrew kind of um, grammar, the way that it was used. So how many of you know that uh, most languages like Spanish or Latin or Hebrew have both feminine and masculine um, words, Right? Anybody know that? Like a window in Spanish is ventana, and the A on the end, it means it's a feminine word, right? So, so, so they have masculine and feminine. So we, can, we know based on the word if there was a masculine or feminine, um, uh, um, if there's masculine or feminine attached to it. So the Hebrew word for spirit is actually ruach, which is grammatically feminine. The Syriac word for spirit is ruha, which also maintains its feminine identity. And a primary action of the Holy Spirit, as spelled out in Genesis 1-2, which I'll read in a moment to you, is to hover, which is also a female word or a feminine word. I don't want to say female. I don't want to mix them up, which is rakhaf. So to hover is the same hover that we see in Deuteronomy 32.11 when God describes the way that he cares for the Israelites in the desert. And it's the same way or the same word used in the Hebrew when God says in the second verse of our Holy Scriptures in Genesis 1-2, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the earth. It's like a mother hen hovering over her chicks. It's that care and nature and nurturing um, characteristic of femininity. 
Now, men, I want to tell you right now, femininity is not weakness. If you reach down, when I reach down and scoop up my six-year-old daughter and play dolls with her or have tea with her, those are feminine characteristics. They're not female. They're feminine. How many of you know that makes me actually a decent human? If my daughter said, Daddy, you want to have tea with me? I said, I'm not doing that girly crap. <laughs> Most of you would be like, you're a jerk, right? So, so the nature of God, the fullness of God is realized in both feminine and masculine qualities. Not female and male, feminine and masculine qualities. So that idea of hovering is, is where these Syriac Christians and where Christian tradition has put kind of a female um, characteristic or identity on the Spirit of God. Pretty interesting, right? So here's my question for you. If God, who we, it's God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we're like, oh, we don't really talk about the Holy Spirit. What if that represents the feminine nature of God? Because the Holy Spirit was left here to do what? To comfort to protect, to nurture, to communicate on God's behalf. Nobody communicates better than a woman. And Dan. <laughs> talk, talk, talk. Right? Charlie Miller, too. So do you see the feminine qualities of the Holy Spirit? We have God the Father, Jesus the Son, and then it's like, oh, the Holy Spirit, which is whatever. Hmm. But in, if we look at, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some points here that are important, trust me. In Isaiah 66, 13, God comforts his people like a mother comforts her child. In Isaiah 49, 15, God is like a woman who would never forget her nursing child. God will not forget his children. In Deuteronomy 32, like I said, God is like a mother eagle hovering over her young. In Luke 15, God seeks the lost like a housekeeper trying to find her lost coin. In Psalms 22, Psalm 71, and Isaiah 66, God cares for his people like a midwife that cares for the child she just delivered. In Hosea 13, 8, God experiences the fury of a mother bear that has been robbed of her cubs. In Luke 13, Jesus longs for the people of Jerusalem like a mother hen longs to gather her chicks under the wings, her wings. Let me ask you a question. How is it that if there's so many examples of God displaying these highly feminine characteristics that throughout time, not only have we seemed to um, kind of wash the nature, those nature or those characteristics of God away, but how is it over time we have downplayed the importance of both the female voice, but also the feminine voice in Christianity. If God himself is showing us the importance of it, and if it's the very thing that he leaves here on the earth for us, part of the feminine nature of God. See, I want to tell you this, the title of this message is, we've left the she out of the three because Unfortunately, and let's be real, gentlemen in the room, men have controlled theology for way too long. And for centuries, Charlie, I'm going to whoop you. 
for centuries if she doesn't. <laughs> I have something else for you. All right. So uh, for centuries and actually longer, for thousands of years, faith, uh, theology, um, religious structure has been made. Those decisions have been made in a room with men and not just men, men who were only allowing the masculine characteristics of God to be highlighted. Because as we know, just me simply stating that men can have feminine characteristics and not be female makes some of us uncomfortable. And so because of that, we have seen faith and theology, we have seen the she stripped out of the three. We have seen the feminine nature of God kind of downplayed or not spoken about because it makes predominantly men uncomfortable. Oh, I'm preaching this morning, if you'll hear what I'm talking about right now. This has to be set straight in the body of Christ. And like I preached a couple weeks ago when I, when I preached a message on my open letter of apology to women, I'm not on a female like blah, blah, blah kick. I'm going to tell you right now, more than 50% of the church, according to Barna Research, is female. And we have absolutely 100% missed the boat globally as the church for thousands of years on how important both the female voices and the feminine characteristics of God in our theology and in our religious structure. We have missed it. And because of it, we have had wars in the name of God. We have enslaved people in the name of God. We have kicked people out in the name of God. We have subjugated people in the name of God. And maybe if the, come on, I'm preaching. Maybe if the nurturing, caring, kind, feminine characteristics of God, characteristic of God was more prominent in our theology, we wouldn't find ourselves in the situations that we've been in. Amen. And we blame the devil. Well, the devil got into the church. No, maybe we're not fully embracing like God did in Genesis 1.27, that in order to have the full nature of God, we have to both have male and female. Maybe we have to understand that feminine and masculine ideas or characteristics are important to us being balanced in our faith and balanced in us going forward as the body of Christ. Amen? If you're a man in this room and you're asking yourself, what am I getting out of this conversation or what am I getting after, out of this sermon today? I want to encourage you to understand that we will all be better if we understand that we have missed a part of the nature of God. We will all be better. And if God, if God, the Father, it speaks of himself in a way that includes nurturing, caring, protecting, um, gathering, um, all of these things that I'm, I'm reading here, if he, as in the, when I'm using the, that gender pronoun for him, if he can have all those things, maybe as men, we can learn to be a little bit more nurturing, and caring, kind, patient. No? That was all the females saying yes. <laughs> and nudging... <laughs> Come on. You want to preach this thing? Listen, listen, listen. 
And he's a U of M fan. Come on. We're selling ourselves short and we're selling the people around us short who are depending on us to love them well. We're selling ourselves short without it. And so I'm not just speaking to the ladies in this room to encourage you the value of your voice. It's actually not about gender this morning. It's about allowing the full nature of God. And unfortunately, I have to characterize it as feminine and masculine so that we can get it in our heads. But I'm telling you, we've squeezed out part of the nature of God from our theology, from our faith, from our church practices. And it's time that we as a church understand that we have missed out on some of the nature of God because of our own gender bias. What if church was more kind and caring? (laughs) Sounds like a terrible idea. (laughs) Listen, you're more likely to get your butt whooped in church than you are at a bar. Maybe not bruises on your face, but definitely on your heart. We have to change that. This should be the most nurturing, kind, caring place where we all, male and female, are loving people and wrapping our arms around them. And come on. And the Spirit of God. You know what I love about the Spirit of God? Every way the Spirit of God manifests in the Scriptures, we see the Spirit of God as like, I I grew up in like we were straight up Pentecostal. Do y'all know what that means? No? Like straight up Pentecostal. Yeah. Like straight up. Like like this kind of. Well, like straight up. Like, you know what I mean? Like Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. I need to let it out. You're right. It's in there. My childhood is in there. It's coming out. Where if you didn't shake your leg when you preached, and my dad still does it, and I love it. But if you didn't shake your leg when you preached, you didn't preach. If you had your voice by the end, you didn't do it. You know what I'm saying? Like straight up Pentecostal. And the Lord says, ha, he said unto man, ha, he said, come to me. Ha, like that kind of deal, right? Straight up. And we didn't say Holy Spirit. We said, Holy Ghost. And you couldn't even say like, I feel like the Holy Ghost is entering this room. No, you could be totally somber and the music's playing and he's got the strings on there and it feels like, you know, butterflies and crystal angels are coming down from heaven with Swarovski, you know, like crowns and, and we're just like, and the sprinkle of dew upon our brow and the whole deal. And you're just like, can we just invite the Holy Ghost into this room? You couldn't say Holy Ghost without getting excited about it. But the problem I have with the term Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God is not a ghost. Because the only nature we have about ghost is this idea of this thing we kind of can't see, can see. It's not really like you can't feel it, you don't know. But, but the Spirit of God always manifests in a way where people felt it. When the Spirit of God descended like a dove, when the wind blew, come on, on and on and on, the Spirit of God was always something that was felt. How many of you know that to nurture or to care or to comfort somebody, it's hard to do that from across the room? I'm sorry you're crying back there. I really care. Hugs. Right? How many of you know that the feminine qualities of God moves in close? Wipes the tears away. 
comforts. The Spirit of God is actually practical and it manifests in practical, hands-on ways. The Spirit of God has a nature about it that, that can only be seen, unfortunately only seen, in the modern context of a really loving mother. But it's actually one of the key ingredients to us fully representing the heart of God to mankind here on the earth. And we would be a heck of a lot more successful in reaching people if we unlocked the full nature of God and let that be manifest here on the earth, including the feminine characteristics of them. Does that make sense this morning? Come on, does that make sense? I'm going to read this to you word for word because it's so good. In many modern churches, only masculine language for God is deemed acceptable. This restriction is historically and more importantly, biblically unfounded. The language we use to define, explain, identify God shapes the way we understand God by having an essentially masculine view of God. We blind ourselves to the other ways we may connect to God and understand God. This not only distorts our image of God, but a purely masculine view also negatively affects the way we interact with one another. Most prominently, how the church interacts with women. By broadening our God language to include feminine imagery, we expand the ways in which we can connect to God. This can begin to rectify a distorted view of God and to change the damaging ways the church has engaged with women. That's powerful. And the Spirit of God manifests on the earth. She, she's feeding the hungry. She's looking after the orphan. She's embracing the lonely. She's caring for all of those who need to be cared for. I do have to give great credit to my parents for years that displayed a, not just the masculine traits and characteristics of God, but also the feminine traits of God. Because we have fed people. We've made a home for them when they didn't have a home. We've embraced them. We've loved them. And I don't want to lose that about our church. I don't want to lose or ever allow the full nature of God to be restricted to certain things. And I'm going to blow your mind. Just, I like to just drop a bomb before we walk out. She's not just in the church. The Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the earth. And we're very limited in our language because we have to say either he or she. And if I just started referring to God as she, some of you would be like, I'm leaving this place. This place has gone crazy. Ask yourself why. Why is it so offensive that I want us to learn from and drink from the well of the feminine characteristics of God that wants to be kind and nurture and comfort and hug and protect and make a home for and feed? The Hebrew word for God, do you know what it is? Say it, Yahweh, Yah, feminine, 
way masculine. Yah, three words in the English, way, three words in the masculine. Equal parts feminine, equal parts masculine. In the Hebrew, it's YW, uh, Y, yeah. It's two words feminine, two words masculine. Equal parts, not 10%, equal parts. When we feed the orphan, whether you're a man or a woman, when we feed the orphan, whether it's done through the church or you're doing it on your own, we're displaying the feminine characteristics of God. When we house, when we comfort, when we nurture, Those are the feminine characteristics of God, the feminine part of the image of God. And it's for all of us to display and to receive the fullness of God. And if there is ever a time in our nation's history where we need the Spirit of God that cares and nurtures, people feel so lonely isolated. People feel so thrown away. People feel so rejected. People feel orphaned in their own homes. If there's ever a time we need it, it's now. This is a right now word. And we're going to be talking a little bit about Mary in the weeks to come, both Mary and Joseph in the weeks to come, leading up to the manger, leading up to the day that we celebrate the greatest gift. But let us not receive the boy as a gift into this world and forget that he was equal parts, feminine and masculine, equal parts, the beautiful nature of God. Yes, boy. Yes, male. But Jesus was just as likely to nurture, to comfort and care for as he was to protect, provide, etc. Because he was comfortable displaying and being the full nature of God. Amen. Does that make sense today? We love you guys. I'm not going to pray today. You can pray on your way home. These two definitely need to pray, as we know. And uh, we love you so much. And we'll see you um, next week. God bless you. We'll see you at 10 or 11.15. We'll see you then.